by the eyes of our heart, we see these things. We don't necessarily see them with the eyes of our flesh, but we can see a lot of these things through the eyes of our heart and know that they're true. Because truth has a certain ring to it, like Joseph Prince says. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, 5. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything that comes from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We have a gospel of glory. God's good view and opinion of us because we're in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 proves it out. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, or seeing that we are just like Him, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And we know that we are the very same image, exactly like Him, because it's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul wrote this, but he studied the Torah and he had revelations, such revelations, blinded at first, you know, to wake him up. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in spirit with him. We can't get away from it. <laughs> you know, it's a whole new dimension. You know, it's a whole new existence. It's easy to see how, you know, people have trouble with, with uh, going in once they realize that it's not necessarily easy. It's just a whole new thing, and it's good. But it doesn't look good sometimes <laughs> to our flesh. The good news of the view and opinion of God, Second Corinthians uh, four three four. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Which is uh, probably what some people want. They don't want to see it. But we want to try to help them see it because we know it's for their benefit. His grace toward me did not prove vain, which is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 8. He names off all the uh, sightings of Jesus from Mary and Peter and, and uh, the 12 and, and the 500. And he said, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. And like Paul, Jesus has appeared to each of us in one way or the other to show us his goodness, to show us what love looks like. That's pretty powerful. That's why God sent Jesus to show us what love looks like. So give no cause for offense. Pretty hard to do these days. You know, you feel like a lot of things are coming against us to offend us, but we shouldn't show offense in return. Second Corinthians 6, 1 through 4. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, from the Old Testament, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness. And there's about ten more words there that are even worse than that. 
So, you know, we, we can handle it because we know that whatever we go through, it'll be a lot better on the other side of that, whatever it is. We can count on God to make up for any loss that we have. But who are we? Well, the Bible says in Romans eight seventeen, we are God's children. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And the word suffer, of course, is, uh, you know, suffering pain or whatever, but it's also tolerate. And there's a lot of people we have to tolerate, you know. Uh, but with toleration of, of other people, it, it's just part of life. <laughs> we do that whether we're in, in the flesh or in the spirit. We tolerate. But it's good to be able to tolerate. Sometimes it's having patience, or sometimes it's just not striking back where they strike at you. <laughs> we can tolerate a lot more than we thought we could in Him, in love. Knowing a little bit more about what love looks like now than we did to start with. It's really a hard thing to even think about loving some people that, that we've heard about. You know, Sometimes we hate somebody just because we have heard a lot of things about them. Don't even really know if it's true. You know, But the fact is our flesh hates some. Knowing that Jesus is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. And getting along with everybody. You know, I, I feel just loving everybody. Even the Pharisees, by telling them that, you know, about their hypocrisy, he was loving them by, by letting them know that, that he knew where they were coming from. He knew that they were scared of losing their jobs or whatever as priests. He had compassion on them, too. He said, well, I know you guys. This is how you are, but I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> he could have. But what of, what of the unbelievers? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. That leaves the point of love, you know, it's like, but shouldn't we invite them into fellowship too? They're natural people. We were too before we came in. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. That power is love. The power to uh, hold back when you could say something. Like my mom told us uh, a few times while I was growing up, so if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. <laughs> so, 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Christ, Jesus, he taught, he forgave, he laid hands on the sick. To forgive some things is just audacious. You know. How can I forget that? <laughs> but Jesus did. And, uh, so, he's a good example. I mean, if you haven't forgiven somebody, they, that's no problem. God took care of that too. He doesn't expect us to be just perfect like him, like, like right now. <laughs> you can't change from a human being to a, a ghost in a, in a split second. It's a slow trip. It's a slow change. That's the same thing in, in, in teaching people how to, how to fly airplanes. You know? It's a slow drip uh, for most people. Some people just can pick it up real quick, you know. But it's still, even then, it's a slow drip. There's just a whole lot more going on. On the ground, you're a ground person. When you're in the air, you're different. <laughs> a lot more freedom, in a way. But then again, there's a lot more hazards. Contrast the reality of the hope of the Jewish people in general. Well, we can contrast that. 
It's in the book of Romans, you know, where Paul talks about the uh, Gentiles got ahead of the Jews because they were believing, you know, and the, the Jews were believing in their, taking care of their law, you know, their performance. Yeah, I did this, I did that, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. If they got all that done, all, all the squares checked now, then they considered themselves perfect. Uh, but we know better than that. You know, we know that there's a whole lot more boxes to check than the 613 boxes that they were supposed to check. Uh, yes, I did this. No, I didn't do that, whatever. There's probably about 60,000 different boxes to check by the time we run through a crowd of people. If we go through a, a downtown Milwaukee street or whatever, and we do everything perfectly, we've got all the boxes checked, then we'll call it Jesus. <laughs> well, Jesus is really showing through them. But uh, we'll not be able to do that for a minute or two, but uh, for an hour or two, probably not. There's a lot more boxes to check in order to be Jesus all the way 100% through and through. Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 27. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a personal hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion, who will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them, when I take away their sin. Jesus wants the blind to see that hope is here for them now. Romans chapter 11, verse 28. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, the Jewish people, uh, they are beloved for the Father's sake. In eleven twenty-nine, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. In Romans chapter 11, verse 30, Just as you were once disobedient and rebellious toward God, but now have obtained his mercy through their disobedience, they also now are being disobedient when you are receiving mercy, that they in turn may one day, through the mercy you are enjoying, also receive mercy, that they may share the mercy which has been shown through you as messengers of the gospel to them. In 32, it says, For God has consigned, or penned up, all men to disobedience, only that he may have mercy on them all alike. So, the uh, people that you see doing the wrong thing now, or hear about doing the wrong thing now, we're all in this together, and with the exception of very few, I think, uh, everybody is kind of working in some way or other, for the rest of us. A person with a real bad attitude that, that's a plumber, you know, but he's still doing a job as plumbing, you know, maybe just because he wants a better reputation for more business, but people that are working are helping, and those that aren't working are probably helping in a lot of other ways that we can't even imagine. There are people that are giving charitable donations here and there that are helping thousands, probably. Sometimes it's just kind of crowded, we don't like it, but we know that uh, God loves everybody. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, in Amplified, Yet now has Christ the Messiah reconciled you to God in the body of his flesh through death, in order to present you holy and faultless and irreproachable in the Father's presence. 
Colossians 1.23. This he will do, provided that you continue to stay with and in the faith in Christ, well-grounded and settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope. you got to stop and think about this, because it sounds religious in a way, but it's not. He wants us to stay believing. Because when we get into unbelief, we tend to mess things up. Not physically or whatever necessarily, but in unbelief, we tend to not act normal. We start beating ourselves up for something we did yesterday or something we know we're going to do tomorrow or whatever. When we start beating ourselves up, just not thinking right. We're causing our body to have different problems because we feel like beating ourselves up or autoimmune system will do it for us automatically. It's automatic. <laughs> the immune system is a great thing, but when it's fed the unbelief and self-hatred and stuff like that, it can kill you. It thinks that you want to die. <laughs> so Jesus has taken care of everything. There's not anything that is not forgiven already. Past, now, present, it's all taken care of in Jesus. If you're not in Jesus, then uh, you need to get in Jesus. But uh, I'm not talking to this crowd here because I know everybody here is in Jesus. Anybody that's listening that has not accepted Jesus, there is benefits beyond this earth, beyond this life. There's no reason not to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus has died for all of our sins. He became poor so that we could become rich. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for our peace. He was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes, the beatings that he took, we are healed. He gives us life more abundantly. This he will do, provided we continue to stay believing in the faith, in Christ, well-grounded, continuing to encourage ourselves in the Word of God. If we're reading something in the Bible that makes us cringe or makes us feel like we're doing something wrong, we need to go to the next page or something. And go back to that one eventually when you're ready for something. Because it probably says something a lot different than what you heard when you read it the first time. There's a lot of encouragement in the Word. A lot of allegories in the Bible where a character or an animal or an event or whatever will be characterizing something different. Characterizing some other event or spiritual thing or, or a political thing. Talk about politics. There's a lot of politics in, in the Word, too, as far as that goes. There's a lot of tugs and pulls and a lot of allegories that come from that time where it was written, like where 8,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. written in Hebrew or written in the Greek to start with, translated into English. Not shifting or moving away from hope, because the hope is what everything else rests on. And Jesus is our reference. He's just like we are sitting right now in the right hand of God the Father in the flesh. Just like you are. He's our reference. We didn't know that he was there or see it in the Word quite a few times and recognize by what we know of him and what we've experienced through him that he is actually there on the throne in the physical. We wouldn't have that hope. We have that hope knowing because we, even though we haven't seen it, we know he's there. And one way you can know he's there is to uh, recognize all the little miracles that you've had just in the last week. Uh, the, the miraculous 
this or the miraculous that. They happen and we go by and we don't even think about them again for the most part. But we come up against a, some sort of a, a problem that looks like it's going to happen or maybe it even did happen and we think that we're stuck, you know, we're doomed or whatever. And then next thing you know, we're continuing to live, you know, it's a week or two or a year or two later and that we've gone by it. All the other people are really around and you know that some have been crushed beyond repair. Close by, you know, within, within a block or two, or that somebody else knows in your job that that happened to them, and uh, they didn't have that hope, you know, probably, possibly, could happen to us too, I suppose. Like Jesus said, "The rain falls on the godly and the ungodly." Hope rests on is inspired by the glad tidings, the gospel, the good news, which you heard and which has been preached as being designed for and offered without restrictions to every person under heaven, of which gospel I, Paul, became a minister. You can know this hope. In Colossians 1.26, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, as God wants everyone to know it. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. Hope does not disappoint. Romans 5.5 5. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. A few thoughts there. Mainly, we are loved. That God is love. He has shown us love. If we haven't seen love, then we don't really know how to love. The more love we see from Him, the more love we can give. Jesus said, freely received, freely give. Show somebody else how to love. You know, Give them a hug, give them a smile, give them a pat on the back. Don't call them an idiot when they do something stupid. <laughs> you know, it happens to me too. That's a lot. So, yeah, whatever. Try to be a little more patient with people. If you blow it, don't let it ruin your day or ruin your life. When somebody else blows it, try to do the best you can to uh, help them get over it. That's what he did every every moment of every day, I guess. All, all of you look like you, you know, you, you're, you're just believing and, you know, just faithful. And it would be nice to uh, help others to understand God's love. Some people just reject it outright, but there's a lot of people that are, if you, if you just give them a, a little word, they'll want to hear more. Maybe ask them and say, what, what do you think about Jesus? Or what do you think about the Advent? Do you think Jesus was born on Christmas Day or whatever? <laughs> we kind of go all, all, all different directions with uh, any kind of word like that. Some people may not want to uh, talk about anything like the Bible or Jesus because they had a bad experience at church one time. Somebody said something wrong or accused them of something or whatever, you know. But, uh, so try to be patient with them and remind them that people are all different and some people can handle things and some people can't because they they haven't seen love yet. Thank you, Father God, for this time that you've given me to do some preaching and it's been a, uh, a good time for me to learn.
I believe that these here will take any opportunity they can get to preach in some way or other to others, even if it's just a style or whatever, that we can uh, help others enjoy the life in Jesus that we have now, this time of traveling to our destination we're in now. Actually, we're, we're, in, we're in our destination, Jesus Christ. He is everything, and everything will all end up back in uh, Christ Jesus. And that's how the Father prepared and planned it, predestined, pre-planned, however you want to say it. We've been uh, pre-planned to, uh, to be in Christ Jesus. We all have a, our own purpose that God has made for us. Thanks, Father, for helping us to fulfill your plan. This is Mark Testerman, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Grace Ministries. I want to say thank you for listening to the finished work gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the good news found throughout the message has richly encouraged you in the love of the Father. Friends, this podcast is supported by the generous financial support of its listeners. And if today's message has ministered to you, then would you consider a gift that ministers back to us? You can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 833-632-1315, or you can visit triumphantgrace.com and donate through PayPal or credit card. The cornerstone scripture for Triumphant Grace Ministries is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Great grace, such grace, triumphant grace to you. God bless you.